Okay, so I am really excited for your reaction to this one. It's been kind of a long time coming. Um, so first, it's going to be, I think it's probably going to have to be a two-parter. Um, we'll, like, record it all tonight, but I'll put it in separate episodes. Um, we are doing the Cecil Hotel. So the first half... I'm going to do the history and the deaths, and then the second half will be the paranormal stuff. So, And then I'll um, release them, like, I'm not going to wait a whole two weeks to do the second part. Like, I'll do one week later. Maybe even a little earlier. I might get a little excited and release it earlier. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so first is just, like, the details about the hotel itself. It was built in 1924, so the address is 640S Main Street in Los Angeles, California. At the time it was built, it cost $1.5 which, keep in mind, that's the 20s. So that's equivalent to thir roughly $13 million U.S. dollars today. So even more Canadian, I don't even want to think about it. That's a lot of fucking money. It was built by three hoteliers, so I guess just guys who built hotels all the time, I guess. Uh, William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops, Schmops. There are 19 floors and 700 rooms. Holy. Mm-hmm. 19 floors and 700 rooms. That's a lot of floors. Sorry, rooms per floor. Yeah. It would be 36-ish rooms per floor, um, but then you also think about the main floor probably doesn't have any rooms, so then a little more. Okay. And I don't know if the top floor had, like, special, like, penthouse ones or not. Like, I don't know about all that. But they advertise an opulent marble lobby with stained glass windows and alabaster stationery and potted plants. So it was, when it was built very bougie and it was intended to be a popular destination for tourists and business travelers however within five years of its opening the US sank into the Great Depression so it kind of suffered because of that which honestly like just that kind of leads to everything else we're gonna talk about about it it was still a, quote, fashionable, de fashionable destination throughout the 40s, but now it's a budget hotel in downtown L.A., and it it does have a different name now. Um, it's called Stay on Main Hotel, but Cecil is what everyone knows it by. And I might talk about the name change at one point, I'm not sure, but anyways... Like, I, might, I think I say more about it, but I'm not sure. Anyways, the hotel ended up being a part because of just economics and how the city of L.A. developed over time. It is now part of a four-mile or six-kilometer area called Skid Row, um, which just, I mean, I guess in general is kind of, you can tell what that means. But this area quickly became home to as many as 10,000 homeless people. And that's <clears throat> any idea on how like large the general vicinity is like one block six block. kilometers. Wow. Blocks wise, I don't know, but it's four miles or six kilometers. So that whole area is considered Skid Row. So it sounds like it's like straight down that street. Yeah. Holy, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of people. 10,000 homeless people, 10,000 people living on the street within six kilometers. That's a lot of people. Sounds problematic. To even just have that many people living in that small of an area, you'd have to have a few high rises. Literally, yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's like how far away my dad's house is from mine. And that's not very far. And I'm sure if, like, 
Are high-rises high a common thing in the 20s? I don't know. Probably not as much as they are now. Yeah, definitely not as much as they were now. Like, this was a very extravagant hotel. I don't think the size of it was very typical. But that's okay. a good question that I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the hotel, as we will go into further detail, became a spot for violence and crime activity due to where it was and being a budget hotel, being cheap. And there is, like, a picture, if you Google it, if you literally just Google Cecil Hotel, there's a picture that shows up on the, of the side of the building that says, like, hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rates. Like, any rate you want, they offer. So, think of all wow. the different crimes that can happen in hotel rooms, especially when if they charge hourly. And not just sex work, but, like... Yearly, like, that's such a big... Like, maybe there's, mm -hmm. like, families staying there, too, you know? Yeah, I think I do get into that. There is, like, a part of it um, where... Yes, okay. I'll get there. So, on March 27th, 1987, U2 performed a live concert on the rooftop, rooftop of the building next door using the Cecil as the backdrop because it was so tall. And the hotel is known as the inspiration for the 1991 psychological thriller Barton Fink. So the general, like, short little bit. Um, a renowned New York playwright is enticed to California to write for movies and discovers the hellish truth of Hollywood. So a little action, little drama. In 2000, the second se season of Angel featured a fictional hotel based on the C on the Cecil. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Have you ever watched that show? I have not. So it's basically uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She falls in love with a vampire named Angel and has a spin-off show called Angel. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um... Do you have a TV playing in the background? No. I keep hearing an ambulance just well, an ambulance just went by. Oh, that could be it. But I feel like I kept hearing voices anyways. <laughs> You're like, don't no. say that. <laughs> I don't hear any voices other than yours. Okay, maybe it's, maybe it's just the street. It could be. Or the cat. It could be your street, because your one window there is like foot traffic level. So, like, the noise was coming from the iPad. <laughs> Anyways, it's fine. <laughs> Scary. Okay. <laughs> the hotel is in the background of Blink-182's music video, The Rock Show, from 2001. And in 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished after new owners took over. Oh, and 2011 is when they renamed it. And, but only part of it because three of the floors were made into low-budget apartments. And there were separate, there were reception, separate reception areas, so where you went in if you lived there versus where you went in if you were just staying for a couple nights was, were different. But they shared the elevators. And do we know if the, the apartments were also, like, low-income yes. pricing? Yes, they were low-budget. In a 2013 CNN piece, Hollywood tour guide Richard Sh Shav, Shave, I feel like I'm going to offend someone by saying it wrong, but oh well, um, and his wife Kim Cooper offered some theories on why the Cecil's past has been so negative. So here are a couple of them. Um, it was built for businessmen, but was quickly upstaged by no nice hotels in better parts of town, so where it was, which, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Like, downtown areas are always going to be a little sketchier than other parts, so it makes sense. Um, also, it became a transient hotel during the Depression, 
and it eventually became a single room occupancy business. So long-term tenants rented individual rooms with a shared bathroom with neighboring residents. And then Richard said, quote, this was just a place where people who were really down on their luck were going. These hotels are filled with people who are at the edge of being integrated in society, end quote. In 2014, the hotel was sold to NYC hoteler Richard Bourne for $30 million after the New York-based firm Simon, Bar Simon Barron Development acquired a 99-year lease on the property. Seems excessive. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, this, this is going to be my life forever. <laughs> and the American Horror Story fifth season hotel was inspired by the spirits and monsters that haunted the location and the deaths that we will get to very cool i watched a couple episodes of that season where <clears throat> where it's all on disney they have a new season out by the way oh it's all on disney now it's all on disney okay because before when i looked there was only like the first three seasons on disney Oh, no, I checked literally, like, two days ago because they just released a new season, and they have, like, I think there's, like, nine seasons on there. Oh, my gosh. I know what I'm doing <laughs> later. Oh, that's I, so have, I have a hard time watching them by myself because they're so spooky, but yeah. some of them I really liked. Like, Coven was so, so good. Yeah. That was my favorite. Anyways, <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> Related sidebar, though, because it's about American Horror Story. Do you know which, which season is Lady Gaga in? Is she in hotel? I feel like she is in... I want to say she is in hotel, but I don't, like, fully remember. I think she is in hotel. Well. Yeah. I'll find out when I watch it. I'm so excited that it's on. Oh, my gosh. Because when I was at Zua's, um, I was telling her how, like, we only had some of the seasons, so we tried to watch it, but then, like, her phone was, like, not... Or her computer... No. Her television, my goodness, let me say every other device first, um, was, like, not having it with Hulu that whole time I was there. Hulu no. Hulu over them. But that it's sucks. okay, we have I, it now. I Hulu when I lived in the States. Yeah. I think most Hulu things are on Disney for us. <clears throat> that makes sense. Yeah, because I watched this one um, adult cartoon called Solar Opposites, and they make, like, a bunch of Hulu references because they're a Hulu show, but we don't have Hulu. Anyways. Yeah, I've watched almost all of that. <laughs> Anyways. In 2016, Matt Barrett, president of the firm, said the firm that had, um, Simon Barrett Development, that had buy bought the hotel and the property said he was committed to, quote, the preservation of architecturally or historically significant components of the building, such as the Grand Lobby, end quote. And then they intended to add a gym, a lounge, and a rooftop pool. And they planned for there to be 299 hotel rooms and 264 residential units. The hotel closed in 2017 for renovations and was expected to reopen sometime in 2021. Um, let me see if it has opened. Okay, so as of November of 2022, it looks like it's not a hotel anymore, but there might still be like people who like living there in the apartment section. Okay. In February 2017, the LA City Council voted to deem the Cecil a historic cultural monument because of its representation of a 20th century American hotel and the historic significance of its architect's body of work. In 2017, Investigation Discovery presented a three-part mini-series titled Horror at the Cecil Hotel, which I have not watched yet, but I would like to. In 2018, the supernatural horror film Followed incorporates several of the hotel's murders and suicides in the plot. 
2021, Ghost Adventures covered the Cecil in a special episode, which I have watched. Also in 2021, Netflix broadcast a four-episode docuseries titled Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, and I've watched that too. Why did I word this like that? Okay, I'm going to read it to you how, how I have it worded, and I don't know why I felt the need to say it like this. In addition to deaths, the hotel also became known as a hotspot for drug activity, so sex work, and adulterous couples to rendezvous. A place for them to rendezvous. I guess I was feeling fancy when I wrote that part. <laughs> <laughs> And people experience mental health crises on Skid Row would often go to the hotel. So that's some just background, general background about the hotel. Now we're going to talk about the violence, murder, and suicides. First off. Uh, first, I thought that was a bubble tea and now I'm craving a bubble tea. No, it's literally just my nice Starbucks cup. It is very nice. Right. I actually almost got bubble tea earlier today, but I was already running behind to go to my dad's house, so I was like, no, I probably shouldn't stop for bubble tea as well. <laughs> so our first death, first recorded death, I should say, um, all the sources were very specific in saying recorded death, so I guess people... <laughs> I was literally like, oh, she's trying to be fancy, okay, no, 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 I get it. No, but I also feel like... There might, there could be some, like, related to the homeless living on the streets outside that aren't necessarily considered part of the hotel, but were technically on hotel property, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm sure there's plenty of rumors and, like, stories and stuff like mm -hmm. that, too, so. Yeah, exactly. So these are, like, the confirmed ones. So, first one, January 22nd, 1927, so only three years not even three full years of it being open or so. 52-year-old Percy Ormond Cook died by suicide after he shot himself in the head in his hotel room. He had failed to reconcile with his wife and child, and he was rushed to the nearby receiving hospital with a slim chance of survival, and he died that evening. In 1923, 33-year-old Dorothy Robertson wandered around the hotel for three days after failing to die by suicide with with barbiturates that she had been prescribed. November 19th, 1931, 46-year-old W.K. Norton died in his room via suicide after ingesting poison capsules. He had checked into the hotel under the name James Willies, so a false name, which is interesting. We do actually have a couple of those in here. Well, it adds up. <laughs> yeah. In 1934 or 1932, I saw some conflicting reports on the year for this. 25-year-old Benjamin Dodich died by suicide by gunshot wound to the head, but he did not leave a note. So, yes. I, have, I have a question. Yeah. I'm trying to find the answer here, so maybe if you have it, it'll be more helpful. But do you know what was at the location before the Cecil Hotel was built. Like... No. Yeah. I'm wondering, because, like, how early did L.A. start, like, you know, building and becoming, like, a, a big city? Like, the 20s, like, feels like a very, like, early time period, but also... But the roaring the 20s. Yeah. And if you, like, if you've seen or read Gatsby, like, that's based in the 20s in New York and Long Island, so New York was pretty up and coming and big in the 20s by the sounds of it, um, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't anything or just a shop there before. I feel like if they demolished yeah. something large, it would have mentioned it, so it probably wasn't anything too significant. Yeah, because whenever there's, like, spooky history, you know, they say yeah. to, like, look back on, like, where they, like, built, but... Yeah, and yeah, I, I didn't think, hear anything about A lot that. of it probably just comes from, like, all the energy of all those, like, you know, lost souls and, mm -hmm. like, you know, those, like, the type of crowd it attracted coming in and out. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, um, like, there are 
a lot of what I'm talking about right now are suicides. And um, this is during the Great Depression, too, of course. So the society as a whole at the time, the state of the country and everything at the time, definitely contributing factors to a lot of these deaths. And then just being known as the place to do it and, you know. Yeah. Okay, so 1934, 53-year-old former Army Medical Corps Corporal Sergeant Louis D. Borden died by suicide by slitting his throat. And he left several notes. One cited poor health as his reason. Wow. Very, very violent way to go. Um, and then the next one is 1937 or 1938. Grace E. Margot fell from a ninth floor window and died. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which she got all caught up in, but she later died at a hospital. But this one has been debated and never confirmed either way about whether it was suicide or foul play. So, was she pushed? Did she jump? We don't know. Also, in 1938, 35-year-old U.S. Marine Corps fireman Roy Thompson jumped from the room, from the window of room 1413. He was found on the skylight of a neighboring building, and he had checked in to stay for several weeks. Or he had been there for several weeks. Like, he didn't check in and immediately do it. Okay. Wow. May 1939, 39-year-old Navy officer Erwin C. Neblet died from ingesting poison. January 12, 1940, Dorothy Sager died after ingesting poison. September 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell gave birth in the hotel in her room bath in the bathroom in her hotel room and then threw her newborn baby boy out the window on the 14th floor. Oh, wow, that's horrible. She claimed she did so because she believed he was already dead and her boyfriend Ben Levine was asleep so she didn't want to wake him up. I guess <laughs> if that's a, the reason. I guess if that's her reason, which jeez, jeez, I guess that's a reason. It it's I a, wouldn't say it. yeah, <laughs> it's a reason. I wouldn't say it's a good or valid one, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely a reason. However, the coroner found that the baby had been alive when thrown. But I don't know, like, how they did that, and it was 1944, I was, I was so... Very, yeah, I was very curious about that. But I believe there there are ways, I know there are ways now to test if a baby was stillborn or killed after birth. There's a way to test. Um, I don't know how. Um, it could just be simply whether there's air in their lungs... Yeah, because or like, you know, well, I don't know how it works, but maybe like blood flow or and something fluids. like that. I don't know. I don't know enough about like childbirth in general or, um, anatomy. <laughs> yeah, or anatomy or, um, autopsies to know. And I don't really feel like I want to know. I feel like it'd be gross. But I know Ignorant there is. Lip. What? Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> it certainly is sometimes. But I know there is a way that, like, we can test these days. I just don't know if it existed yet in 44. So, you know, it's hard to say. Honestly, like, anything before, like, 2015 is like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> True. But Dorothy was found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. So they determined she was temporarily insane at the time. 1947, 
It is rumored that Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, was spotted drinking at the Cecil Hotel bar days before her murder, but this has never been confirmed. And I won't say too, too much, but her murder is unsolved to this day. I mean, anyone who follows true crime probably knows that. She is also uh, in American Horror Story in Murder House, or in the first season with the house. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because one of it, so one of the theories, because of how her throat was slit, it was like, ear to ear like exactly and just like the way she was killed and whatever implied doctors and whatever so there's one part of that season where there's like it and when it's talking about the history that there was um, a doctor who performed illegal abortions in the basement so one of the theories is he was the person that killed her because that's been an ongoing theory for years that she was killed by someone with medical knowledge but they say that about a lot of things, but a lot of like killing things, killing things, <laughs> methods of killing murder things. and dismemberment. But one thing to keep in mind that was pointed out on a podcast I listened to, um, shit, what's it called? I don't know. It's what it's Paul Holes's current one, but as he pointed out, someone who's an avid hunter would know enough from gutting deer to know how to gut a human properly so you know it's always important to take theories like well they probably have medical knowledge with a grain of salt because also google i was literally just going to say people can educate themselves nowadays there's mm -hmm. enough material available anywhere you know mm -hmm. online libraries mm -hmm. but anyways also in 1947 Robert Smith jumped from the seventh floor of the building to his death. Is there a current death like toll for the like confirmed death toll? Fourteen. Oh, uh, I thought it was maybe more, but that's still a lot of people. I think fourteen. Um, okay, but we still have lots more. Woo! I can always count, stop and count these. Why don't I do that? Okay, yeah, it's definitely more than 14. Because <laughs> just what I have is more than 14, so. Yeah, I was gonna say, it feels like more. Yeah. I think... Yeah, like, I... In the stuff I watched and whatever, it said 14 confirmed deaths linked to the hotel. So, I don't know. Maybe they don't count the ones where they landed on the pavement. Hotel deaths, even though they're clearly... Anyways. <laughs> Street deaths. Anyways. Oh October 22nd, 1954. 55-year-old Helen Gurney jumped from the window of room 704. She landed on the Cecil's marquee, which was directly under her window. Well, not directly, but, you know. And she had been staying there for one week, and she had, but she had checked in under the name Margaret Brown. 1962, we have two different ones. February 11th, Julia Frances Moore jumped from the 8th floor. She landed on in a second-story interior light well. She did not leave a note. On October 12th of the same year, 27-year-old Pauline Auten jumped from a ninth-floor window after an argument with her estranged husband. And this one's quite sad. She actually landed on George G Gianni, Gianni, Giannini, who was just walking by. So this man was just walking past the hotel 90 feet below and she landed on him and they both died instantly. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. And there were no witnesses. I, like, uh, Go ahead. What were you going to say? It, I, I was going to say it's unfortunate for that guy. Like he, he didn't choose to die. Yeah, he was just going for a walk. But I mean, at least he died instantly. So there's that. He probably didn't know what was happening. 
And at yeah. first, the theory was that they had jumped together because there were no witnesses. But that was determined false once they identified them and his hands were in his pockets. And he was still wearing his shoes, which would have come off either on impact or while falling. So that one's, wow, that one's technically the first confirmed not suicide because the other one that could have been foul play, foul play also could have been suicide. Right. But now we have our first murder in the hotel. June 4th, 1964, 65-year-old Pidget Goldie Osgood was found dead in room 1016 by a maid. According to Wikipedia, and Wikipedia was the only source where I found anything really about, like, her career, but it said she was a retired telemarketer and long-term resident. She got her nickname Pigeon Goldie because she would feed the pigeons in Pershing Square. And everyone in the area kind of knew who she was. And according to Cosmopolitan, she was a telephone operator for the hotel, so there's kind of conflicting results on what she was, but... Something with phones. She had been sexually assaulted, stabbed, beaten, and her room was ransacked. She was found wearing an L.A. Dodgers hat that she wore all the time without fail. She was known as the lady who fed pigeons wearing the L.A. Dodgers hat. And then a missing Mr. Ailinger, who was 29 at the time was seen walking through Pershing Square in bloodstained clothes, and he was initially arrested and charged with her, her murder, but he was later cleared. Her murder remains unsolved to this day. So, almost 59 years later. Her friends claim to have seen her just minutes before her body was found, which is interesting. What? Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry, sorry, how did she die? She was stabbed and beaten. Oh, my God. So, if this is the case, and her room was ransacked, and she was sexually assaulted. So, if her friends had just seen her, like, maybe her attacker followed her in or was waiting for her. And it happened, like, as soon as she got back. Yeah, wow. In 1975, a woman using the alias Allison Lowell, Lowell jumped from the 12th floor of the building. She landed on the second floor roof. Roof? Oh my gosh, why can't I talk tonight? A root. <laughs> and she has never been identified. Which is crazy. In 1985, good old serial killer Richard Ramirez, or the Night Stalker, Stayed there for a few weeks during his spree before August of that year. He stayed in room 1432 and paid only $14 a night. Can we bring back $14 a night hotel rooms, please? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, when I went to Ottawa for one night for my friend's wedding, I paid $100. When I stayed in Mississauga yeah, with Carly, we each paid a hundred bucks. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I'm pretty sure, like, in Toronto right now, like, the cheapest you can get is, like, two hundred bucks for a night. Yeah, like, actually in, in Toronto is, like, not even, like, in the suburbs, like, Mississauga and stuff, but, like, downtown, they start at two hundred for one person and go up to, like, seven hundred. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Ramirez is rumored to have been able to come and go covered in blood unnoticed because it was on Skid Row. Violence was normal. Oh, that's so, so like, chilling. Uh-huh. And he actually threw bloody clothes out in the ho hotel dumpsters in their alleyway. And there are also rumors that Ramirez conducted conducted satanic rituals at the hotel and potentially on the roof as well. In 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger stayed at the Cecil in room 712. 
While in LA, he strangled and killed at least three sex workers with their own underwear in that same area. I find, I personally find it extra icky when a victim is killed with one of their own belongings. Yeah, like something about like being killed with their own underwear. Oof. Makes it extra icky, right? Like yeah hard hardcore I don't know like I feel like it would be it feels ickier than if like he took rope with him to me yeah and like I don't know like if there's sexual assault involved he would have had to like remove the item well yeah like that's just that much more traumatic well yeah that too but I wasn't thinking of that sense I just feel like I don't know it being one of their own personal items makes it feel more personal to me it is more personal for yeah. sure. Yeah, that too. Like the underwear that you just bought at Lucenzo, mm-hmm. <laughs> like being wrapped around your throat. That'd be a little traumatizing. Well, and like, I don't know about you, but like, I have hella cute underwear for myself. Like, I like to wear cute underwear because I feel good in it. So, like, think about like, yeah. <laughs> they're putting on cute underwear, they're feeling good, and then that's what's used to kill them. Yeah, it's fucked. Anyways, um, and it was rumored that he was a fan of Richard Ramirez, and he stayed there because Ramirez had. Yeah. And he, Jack had actually been previously convicted of a murder in 1974 and served 15 years, so was released 89. Um, so he had been released from prison for murder and then went to L.A. and killed these three women. Then he was caught again, and he died by suicide by hanging in prison. I can't believe, like, how long was he in jail for the first murder for? Fifteen years. Wow. Fuck. He just comes back out and murders more people. That's insane. Also, like, what, how did... A convicted murderer get to just, like, travel to the U.S. Yeah, he's like, okay. <laughs> like, if I got a DUI, I wouldn't be able to go to the U.S. How does he get to? <laughs> like, but I guess, who knows what the raw laws were like in the 90s. Like, Yeah, like... Like, I know... And also, it's like, his information was in the, the European database, yeah. right? Yeah, well, and... Yeah. You'd think, I don't know, like, I feel like... Usually you can't travel. Like, I don't know. I guess it's more about what country you're going to, though. Yeah, right? Anyways. A, in 1992, a 20 to 30-year-old unidentified man was found deceased in the alley behind the hotel. Police said he had likely fallen, jumped, or been pushed from the 15th floor. So he had the impact, I guess, of... It and they determined approximately 15th floor. He too has never been identified. That's at least at least two deaths at the hotel of unidentified people. Is that necessary? Me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about what I look like with Botox. Oh my god. <laughs> well, lip fillers aren't permanent. You could always try it out. I hate the idea of needles. Oh my god! On Wednesday, I had to go get. You're my covered in tattoos. It's different. <laughs> They're not like inserting into my body. Even the vaccine, I'm fine with because it doesn't hurt. I don't know. I'm just traumatized from the freaking fr- freezing I got because he like put it into the bottom of my jaw and like my jaw started tensing oh, up. Oh my god! That is weird. That is it was weird. Really unpleasant. That doesn't feel nice. And the other one was like, he's like, you're going to feel it right into your nose. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Anyways. Gross. In 2008, two long-term residents started referring to the Cecil as the suicide, which became a popular nickname in social media years later. And then... That's great for branding. Yeah. Here we have arrived at the big one that most people would associate with the Cecil. Yeah. 
February 19, 2013, the naked body of Elisa Lamb was found in the water supply cistern on the hotel roof. This is the most famous death linked to the hotel. And she was Canadian. I believe she was from Vancouver. Or BC, Ooh, at least. Wow. She was discovered after the staff received multiple complaints of odd-tasting water and low pressure from other guests. Oh, that's so, like... Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't drink tap water. I don't drink hotel tap water. No. I drink... <laughs> I drink yeah, I drink tap water, like... The tap water at my apartment, we don't have, like, a hotel... We don't have a cistern like the hotel does. So don't have to worry about that. And, like, the big city one, it would be filtered so much by the time it gets to your tap that it wouldn't matter. But it was also... Yeah. Um, I saw one clip of some people who were staying there at the time being, like, interviewed. And they were saying, like, it was a weird color and it smelled and it... Yeah. She was decomposing in there. Oh my god. How how long until the body was found? I'm about to tell you. That is my not my next point, but the one after. So she had checked in January twenty sixth, twenty thirteen, and she was on like a cute little solo vacay. Um so like I'm gonna give you a little blurb about her, but I'm not giving too much detail, so you know, we can always come back to it. But she... Not to, not to cut you off, but, like, imagine, like, solo vacay, let's go stay at this Cecil Hotel. She probably didn't even know about its history. Yeah, she probably just found it because it was cheap and it was in a convenient cheap. area. Oh, my God. That's she, my nightmare. She was officially declared missing January 31st. Her body was found February 19th. She was missing as of the 31st. So, like, 20 days, basically? Yeah. Yeah, because the 31st wasn't the last time she was seen. It was when she was officially missing. And, um, most people who are aware of this case have seen or at least heard of the infamous elevator video of her in the elevator. In the footage, she appears to be poking her head, head in and out, almost as if she's, like, playing a game or hiding from someone, and she presses multiple buttons nonstop. Some people theorize that she was playing an elevator game from Korea that is said to let you travel between spiritual dimensions. So there's instructions of get in on this floor, then press this button, then press this button, then press this button. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Do we know if she followed it exactly? No, probably not. I don't think so. In the footage, she just seems to be randomly smacking him. But she could have been... A, oh, like, like the, the video is so spooky. It is very eerie. It is very eerie. Something is definitely not right. And yeah. once I finish all I have written about her, I will tell you my personal theory. But anyways, mm. there are many theories surrounding her death. Uh, suicide, paranormal, um, paranormal specifically related to the elevator game, um, paranormal related to Ramirez's satanic rituals, um, a psychotic episode slash breakdown because she was bipolar, and I believe, I could be wrong, I don't want to say for sure, but during her autopsy, there was something about her meds in there that made them think she might it might be related to it. And also just her behavior seemed to be manic. And then, of course, there is the murder theory. My personal theory is that she was having some sort of mental health-related crisis, whether a manic episode or whatever, and then one of the shady people who was also in the hotel took advantage of that. Mm. Yeah, because I was like, I feel like it would be like, like, unless you, well, I don't know how heavily prescribed drugs can affect somebody if they're not using it properly or if they're having some kind of, like, psychotic break. Mm -hmm. But I feel like 
to the point of going onto the roof and going in or falling into a water pit that's mm-hmm. pretty far stretched for an individual to do unless like they're maybe like super fucked up but I mm-hmm. still feel like even at that point that's a really far stretch mm-hmm. so I think it's it's true that there had to be some kind of part all, a second party involved in the death mm-hmm. and I do know that there was no significant amount of alcohol in her system or not prescribed drugs and I think it was low levels of her prescribed drugs and like to be fair like Honestly, depending on what you have and how high your prescription is, just missing one day can make a difference. Like, I have been on the same anxiety meds for seven, maybe eight years. If I wake up at nine and if I haven't taken them by noon, I start getting lightheaded because my body is dependent on it. So when you've been on some sort of medication for a long period of time, your body's going to notice if you miss it. So it could be she was excited, she forgot, and then she had an episode and, and, and. Yeah. So she had stayed in room 412 by herself after being moved from a shared room. So they offered almost like hostel style rooms. Uh, When the other customers staying in that room complained about her strange behavior. Hmm. Oh, yes, so she had no significant amounts of alcohol and drugs in her system, so I didn't know that. Her death was ruled an accidental drowning, but many things are still unanswered. Like, for example, how did she even get to the roof? The door was locked with an alarm. Maybe the fire escape? You can reach the fire escape from your window. How did... But here's the biggest one for me, personally... The water tank she was in, to get in, you have to open a super heavy door that will stay open. It doesn't just close. You fully open it like it goes back down flat on the other side. How did she close it behind her? Because it was closed when they found her. How would she have done that? There's no way she could have done that because she couldn't stand on anything to do it. Even if she had the strength to do it, once she's in the water, she can't. She wasn't wearing her clothes, but that could, if you go with the drowning theory, that fits. Because that could be trying to get them off because they're heavy. But her clothes were sandy. Sandy? Mm-hmm. Where is their sand? I don't know. And then, so, the last one I have is June 13th, 2015. So, this one is one of the ones that might not actually be linked to the hotel. Um, Okay. A 28-year-old unidentified man was found outside. Some people think it's because he jumped. And the county coroner informed the LA Times that the cause of death is undetermined, so they weren't able to figure out if he had jumped. Because I was like, think, I I mean, I'd assume it'd be pretty, like, pretty obvious if somebody passed away that way. Yeah, (laughs) depending, depending how high up they were, I feel like, because those are like blunt force trauma injuries, usually, from falls, so depending on... How high up he was, it could just, like, if he jumped from the fifth floor, maybe it resembles a bad beating, like, you never know. Or he was beaten so badly and his body was damaged so badly that you can't tell. Oh, yeah, that's definitely an option. Mm -hmm. So, that is it for part one. Damn, and honestly, like... I don't remember what it was. I've definitely watched either a documentary or maybe listened to a podcast, one or maybe multiple. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've I've listened to a podcast and I've watched a documentary and I feel like I've heard the paranormal paranormal side and I've heard the criminal, like true crime side. And I feel like that even without knowing kind of like the the creepy, eerie stuff, like there's something about like the true crime stuff that's happened there that just like leaves that like I don't know like there's for me like you know I'm very like superstitious and stuff so Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some dark 
forces going on in there just because it just seems to be like such a I don't know like a hive of that kind of incidents yeah definitely some bad energy there just purely from the amount of people who have died there I wouldn't feel good staying there um oh yeah maybe you watched maybe you watched the 2021 Netflix four episode docuseries it was pretty popular That's when it came out. That's what I'm thinking, and then maybe uh, ATWWD has covered it. I'm yes. That's probably the two places I, I, I've, heard, I've heard it from. A lot of podcasts have covered Elisa Lamb's death specifically. That's why I kind of wanted to do more than just that for this episode. Um, but I know that Netflix docuseries does go into the true crime and the paranormal aspects, and they talk to people who yeah. work there, people who stayed there. It's very interesting. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Disturbed Minds. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and don't forget to follow the show on Instagram for show details, pictures, and more at Disturbed Minds Pod.